Greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to the 71st episode of the Promenade Merchants Podcast, the independent Star Trek podcast with me, David Majors, and my co-host, Heather Kirby. What's up, Heather? What is up, David? It, 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 it was a very busy and holiday-filled weekend for June today. You know, happy Pride, happy Juneteenth, happy whatever, Father's Day. Happy everything this weekend. Happy June. It's nice out, hopefully, where you are, and you can spend some time outside. Yes, yes. But while we're spending some time inside, we can talk about Star Trek, and we've got a little bit of stuff to talk about from Star Trek. We've we've got a lot to dive into uh, when we get to it. So for new listeners of the show, hi, thank you, I'm David, that's Heather, thank you for listening. We talk about Star Trek and have the occasional tangent somewhere else, but mostly Star Trek. Uh, and we do this in three phases, uh, starting with old business, which is the legacy side of Star Trek, which we like to say everything from the cage up to the Kelvin movies. Uh, and then new business is where we talk about what's happening currently in Star Trek right now. So we will be talking about the season two premiere of Strange New Worlds. Uh, later on, I'll be talking about my initial thoughts on the brand new video game Star Trek Resurgence uh, from Dramatic Studios, Dramatic Labs. And we'll talk about upcoming business later on where we look at what's happening a little bit further down the pipeline. And we're just going to jump in with the old business uh heather you mentioned that today is father's day and earlier today i was thinking about kind of a no-brainer topic since we're recording this on father's day let's talk about fathers in star trek i i think that this is something that has been explored a, a good amount in the star trek universe and i think we all have uh, our idea of the good fathers in Star Trek and the bad fathers in Star Trek and the complexities that come with being a father in Starfleet or just being a father in this universe. So I thought of an idea of the idea of what of a good father and a bad father. Who is a good father in the Star Trek universe? And then I thought of one bad father. Um, so Heather, uh, I'm guessing you thought of one too, since we talked about this a little earlier, um, I will go first and for a good father in Star Trek, I didn't want to go with like the obvious answers like Ben Sisko <laughs> that, that one is, that one's a little too, that that's kind of an easy one that I think that's kind of a softball. So I started thinking about who I think has shown themselves to be a good father so far in Star Trek. And it brought me to Hugh Culber and Paul Stamets in Discovery. Dude, you took my answer. <laughs> oh man, we had the same answer. We had the same answer. Yeah. We didn't plan that, folks. We really didn't. We really didn't because David loves to cheat on this topic and bring up current Heather? Star Trek, and I don't. He Heather, <laughs> so. uh, Heather, I'm sorry you broke up a little bit. You broke oh, up. Okay. Uh, but yeah, David loves to cheat with this 
old business topic and I, I usually don't. So I, I'm sure you probably thought I was not going to go that direction, but yeah. Uh, gotta talk about Colbert and Stamets when it comes to good fathers. I think they have done a great job. I really, really do. Uh, I think that since Adira showed up on discovery, uh, they have had a, a really interesting journey. And Stamets and Colber have done a really good job of guiding them through it, through everything that Discovery has been through. And that dynamic has been really, really great to watch. Uh, it's And it's especially been really good to watch because it was helping someone who is, for all intents and purposes, already an adult, a young adult who has a lot on their plate and I think they've done a really good job. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I, I wanted to talk about Colbert and Stamets because I think the one thing the two of them show that's really important to see is the concept of found family, that family does not have to be blood. It is something that you can still connect and be a father figure to someone. It's an, a very important concept in the queer community. And uh, it, it's something that Colbert and Stamets highlight really well. I mean, they do not have direct children of their own, but they really adopt Adira and Blue, both of them. And like, they they become their father figures and it, it's natural and it's normal and there's nothing directly stated about it but it's known as you watch their relationship grow that these two are the father figures for both Adira and Blue and it, it's wonderful to watch completely agree completely agree and I think that having them in their lives really brought a whole new dynamic to Stamets and Colbert's relationship that really flushed them out even more as characters because I think both of them have been really well-developed, really well-performed, and just, I feel like I could talk about Stamets and Colbert for forever. And <clears throat> I think what what they've added having young adults in their lives and being parents was just sort of the icing on the cake of a really great story arc between the two of them. And for them to have shown themselves to be as good a parents as they are, is just really an icing on the cake on a couple of the best characters I've seen in Star Trek. Yeah, I, I think a huge highlight of, of how much it has helped like the, the characters evolve and, and how important the the family dynamic is to them, uh, to me is is the end of season three when you know uh Stamus gets put in a position where he does not want to do anything that would hurt or harm his family. And he really stands his ground with that and, and 
defies Michael to the point that, you know, he, he gets locked out of the engine room and, and, uh, doesn't jump the ship like he usually does. So I, I think to me that that was a huge turning point and really showed the importance of being a father to Stamets that, and, and the same goes for Colbert too, especially when he's dealing with his own mental health and trying to counsel the crew through that, like having a family union unit and not just each other to care about, but also, uh, other people has really helped both of them grow as characters. And it's been a joy to watch. Now, on the other hand, there are some not so great fathers in Star Trek. In fact, there are a few Uh, because, Hey, it's space. Things get complicated. And the, the not so great father that came to mind for me, Heather, was Sarek. <laughs> did, we, did that happen again? Yes, that again. Oh, man. Oh, man. <laughs> well, at least, at least we know we have good chemistry. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> uh, after you. After you. Okay. So, I, I, I mean, this is once again, like, there are some obvious choices here. Like, you could have picked Worf. Everyone knows Worf is a shit father. Okay. But uh, I, I think Sarek actually comes to a level worse than Worf, in my opinion. Uh, because he has such high expectations for his son in Spock that are completely unrealistic. I, I, I mean, when you look at Sarek's own love life and he falls in love with a human, actually throughout, it's, he does it twice because Vulcans live very damn long. And so he he sees qualities in a human that he as a Vulcan loves and, and has emotion towards. But yet when it comes to raising his half Vulcan, half human son, he wants to completely reject any human qualities his son has. And that's a really, really, really shit move. In my it really opinion. is. And Spock struggles with this for his entire life. He really, really does. Uh, his relationship with Sarek is permanently strained. Uh, even when Spock, when Sarek died, uh, the relationship was strained. So, And not just what he did raising Spock, but raising Michael Burnham on Vulcan, uh, doing his best to try and integrate Michael into Vulcan society, uh, knowing that 
many of them would never accept her because she isn't Vulcan. So she can't be Vulcan, logically. And putting that level of expectation on Michael uh, really did a number of her. If you see in the early seasons of, of Discovery, you'll see that her interactions with Sarek are very... She tries her best to be as cold and as logical as possible uh, because you know that's really the only way Sarek will listen. Despite, again, marrying a human. And it, it really, you could tell that the relationship with Burnham was stra- was strained for a lot of those times as well. Yeah, but I, I also think he... Like his his expectations weren't as high with Burnham, but yet she meets them because she really adapts a lot of like the logic and training Vulcan training better than than Spock does in some ways, and so like like her relationship with Sarek considering he's not even a blood relation to her comes out stronger because of her willingness to adapt to Vulcan ways in a a better way than his son did. So it's kind of sad that he, he, he's puts that much stress on his children and that is more willing to accept the human one, uh, who, who the fully human one who embraces logic and 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 Vulcan thinking better than her his his half human one that is his actual blood. Like like that that's a really fucked up thing to do too. Agreed, agreed, one hundred percent. And there's such a point where it seems like Sarek did such a bad job, Cybok completely just abandoned all, all Vulcan logic and everything that everything that Vulcans try to make a part of their daily lives. Cybok completely abandoned that. So you could say that Sarek did just as equally a bad job with his oldest son, Cybok, as any of his other children. Well, it, and you think about it, think about it this way, too. Cybok is his full Vulcan son, not even half human, full Vul- Vulcan son. He's a lot older than Spock. And so, like, it, it, if you wanted to reason as to why Sarek is was so strict with his younger children like i i don't know exactly the timeline there but cybok could have rejected logic and embraced his emotions before like the spock was even born you know what i mean and so that could that could be a reasoning as to why sarah came down so hard on them but it's not a good reason. <laughs> no, it's going from one extreme to the other. Yeah. And neither has worked out for him. 
Definitely not. So, yeah, Sarek's a bad, bad father. Not very good at all. Not very good at all. But uh, let us know. Let us know out there if you're listening. Send us a tweet at PromTrekPod. We do get some every now and then. And uh, let us know uh, what you think of... uh, Give us some of your fathers in Star Trek that might come to mind. They could be good. They could be bad. They could be somewhere in the middle. We already said Worf, and we already said Captain Sisko, so kind of leave those two out for obvious reasons. Those are kind of the no-brainers. But if you have some other examples, let us know at PromTrekPod on Twitter. Moving into new business, Heather. Uh, We are back with some brand new Star Trek. Season 2 of Star Trek Strange New Worlds is officially underway. And we have seen the first episode of season two entitled The Broken Circle. While undergoing updates, upgrades, the Enterprise receives a distress call from Security Chief La'an Nunyan Singh, who is searching for Oriana's parents on the Klingon-governed mining facility, Kajitar 4. I really liked just about everything about this episode. I had... A lot of fun with this, Heather. Um, I I really think that it was nice to see Dr. Mbenga and Nurse Chapel get some screen time. Yeah. I really enjoyed the opening scene with Captain Pike and Una. And I think Ethan Peck uh, really shined throughout this entire episode. Yeah. I, I, I mean, he definitely did... Uh this was Spock's episode to shine with an assist from Chapel and Mbega. So it, 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 it was a lot of fun to watch. Um, I'm glad to have strange new worlds back. It was, I, I, I thought it was a really enjoyable episode and, and it introduced like some themes and, and, stories i think that we'll see revisited throughout the the season um yeah it was interesting i i the one thing i walked away from this episode was that i want to know more about chapel and mbenga's history with the klingon war Mm, because there's more story there that they alluded to but they didn't actually tell you and I hope that we, we, we get to hear more of that background there. I, I think that's a, that's a great point. Um, they, they did a really good job with highlighting those two in this episode. And you could see that for Dr. Mbenga, especially being on the mining colony around Klingons and being in that hostile environment was definitely taking an emotional toll on him. Yeah. And that is definitely something that can be examined. Uh, and I thought that it was it was shown kind of that intense feeling that he was having was really well done. Yeah. Um, I also think that there were a few times in this episode where Spock was put in all sorts of uncomfortable positions uh, from having to captain the Enterprise while Captain Pike is gone to interacting with the Klingons to having to go after 
trying to make a decision on what to do about the the ship the the federation ship that had gone rogue and the potential lives of nurse chapel and dr mbenga i think that he was put in a lot of really intense uncomfortable situations and spock really came out of it in my opinion looking really really good i think he did and it's interesting to watch that like and i i know there's a lot of diehard fans that will look at this episode and compare it to um galileo 7 in tos which was really one of spock's first episodes in tos being in a command position and him actually struggling to make decisions i think they did a good job showing uh ethan peck spock really i i mean he made good decisions but he also fought with making those decisions too and and was concerned about making the right ones and doing things the right way and i i think it highlighted that a lot uh so my question for you thoughts on chief engineer pala palea 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 Yes, Commander Palia, who made her way onto the Enterprise while they were trying to steal it in the midst of their upgrades and inspection. Played by Carol Kane. I really like her. I really like her. I think she's kind of cool. I like her personality. I like the way she seems to be looking to have some fun. Um, I think her back and forth with Spock was really fun. Uh, Overall, I, I really like her. I really like her. I, I I will say I don't dislike her. But I also feel like, I, I, I mean, this is Carol Kane. <laughs> Carol Kane plays basically the same character in everything I've seen her in. Well, this <laughs> and, is the first time I'm seeing her, so. And this is no different. <laughs> so... I, I have a feeling that she's going to bring a lot of humor to this show. And in that aspect, it's going to be fun. Um, I did see an article, an interview with Carol Kane talking about her character. And like she, uh, like we find out in the episode, she was an instructor at the Academy. She was actually Hemmer's instructor at the Academy. She mentioned that in the interview. So um, that's kind of nice, you know, that that there's a history with her character there and Hemmer and Spock's mom, it seems like. So it, it, it will be interesting to see how she gels with the rest of the crew on the Enterprise. Agreed. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I am looking forward to it. Uh, I have to bring up two particular scenes that really just i really loved uh the first one was the opening scene where captain pike was talking to number one and captain pike mentioned about doing what needs to be done to get una out of out of prison because it's the right thing to do because it's right and una called him a boy scout but at the same time i i felt the same way as captain pike and it just it just felt like the right thing to say and 
I love this characterization of Christopher Pike. I really, really do. I I do love the fact that Pike is willing to go to bat for Una in this this instance. Um, I don't like the whole. I I don't like the fact that they put the line in there about him being a Boy Scout because I think that's a a characterization that the fans have given him and I don't necessarily like it. Uh, But I like that scene and I have a gut feeling that episode two, we will see where Pike went while Spock was off with the Enterprise in episode one. So it's going to be one of those things where we see what happens with Pike uh, in episode two. So it's going to be very Pike-centric. Actually, Heather, I believe episode two is the trial episode. So I think it's going to be the the trial. So it'll be uh, mostly Una and Pike. I think it'll be predominantly those two. Okay, well, I, I I didn't look at anything as to what episode two was going to be. That's just All right. my, my um, gut feeling was. Also, uh, I wouldn't be me if I didn't mention Laan and the scene where she was drinking blood wine with the Klingon and drank the Klingon under the table, followed by a big burp. I absolutely loved that scene, and I just... My love for La'an Nunyan Singh grows stronger every day. I just thought that was cool. Yep. I I I, I love La'an, but I also love like like it would have been very easy to have La'an be the kick-ass one in this episode. So I love that that didn't actually happen and that it was Chapel and Mbenga instead. Uh, that was a great action scene. They had yeah. some really good action scenes throughout. They really did. And part of me wants to know, uh, okay, maybe you know, and maybe I just missed it. What was it that the two of them actually took? I had that in my notes. I said, what was the green stuff? Uh, I don't think it was ever really explained. And I, I could not find anything on it. Yeah. So that that might be something we come back to in the future. But yeah, the, the green stuff they injected into their necks was some kind of some kind of power up. Yeah. That's what I can figure. Okay. So overall, we're starting with season two uh, on a good note, Heather, I'd say. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, all right, so moving into the next part for new business, uh, I have been playing the brand new game from Dramatic Labs, Star Trek Resurgence. Uh, Dramatic Labs, uh, for people that don't know, are the game company behind the Batman games and the Walking Dead games that came out a few years ago. And their main game mechanic is you have to make choices within the confines of a story. You're making decisions, you're saying things, 
and characters in the game are reacting to them. Uh, you get insight into the, their emotions, how they feel about your reactions, and all of these things play into how the game plays out. Now, in Star Trek Resurgence, you're playing two different stories. You're playing one with uh, an enlisted crewman, uh, Petty Officer Carter Diaz, and you're playing his timeline. And then on the other side, you're playing a the first officer of the ship, Commander Jarrah Rydak. And they have two very different, very different timelines. Uh, they do cross later in the game, but where I'm at right now, I'm about two and a half, three hours into the game. They haven't crossed up too much yet. Uh, but on Carter Diaz's side, you're doing things like fixing the engine and interacting with your crewmates and building relationships on the lower decks so far and doing mechanical things that, that might be a part of the Star Trek series. Uh, on Command Rydek's side, you're on the bridge, you're interacting with aliens more, you're doing the diplomacy stuff, that there is, there is a diplomatic crisis between two planets, uh, and Ambassador Spock is the ambassador that you're traveling with. And all of these things are really, really engaging. It feels like you are on two sides of an emerging season of Star Trek. Uh, and it is after Voyager, after Voyager ends. And I've really been having fun with it. It's There are some visual bugs, some graphical bugs, but I've really been having fun because you feel like you're the person on the bridge and you have to make decisions and you have to make a call on deciding what you want to do or you're in the lower decks and you have to repair something that's broken and might cause uh, a ship failure or somebody might die. You're in those kinds of pieces. So you're really getting Star Trek covered from all angles in this game. And it's really, really fun. I've really been having fun with it. And the one thing that I think is important that people know is that if you're really not into video games, you you really don't have to be because this doesn't have a lot of heavy action or, or, or a lot of quick reaction and stuff that you need to do. There's some, but not a lot. So I think if you are a little bit taken aback by it being a video game, I think that you might not feel that way if you give it a shot. Overall, I'm really liking it, and I'm really having a lot of fun with it. And that makes me happy, because I've been waiting for this game for like two years. And so far, I'm getting every bit of my money's worth. Well, that's good. I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I said, it's not... It's not a terribly complicated game, and it's on consoles, it's on PC, so anyone out there listening, if you're curious about it, if you've seen it on YouTube, check it out. It's pretty cool. It really is pretty cool. All right. I think we can go into upcoming business. I think we're good. 
I think we're good. Yes. Okay. So for upcoming business, uh, Star Trek had celebrated Captain Picard Day on June 16th, which I guess is Captain Picard Day now. Is it? Captain Picard Day was in April. I didn't think it was June, but okay. Yeah, that's (laughs) what they did. That's what they did. Uh, And along with this, they announced the Picard Legacy Collection Blu-ray set, which will include all seven seasons of Star Trek The Next Generation, the TNG era movies, and all three seasons of Star Trek Picard. And it will be released on Blu-ray in September. Now, I think if you have the money, this is pretty sweet. If you have the money. Yeah, I I mean, it's definitely... This is one of those instances, because we talk about how Star Trek, when it comes to merch, doesn't really know their audience. This is one of those instances where they know their audience because a lot of Star Trek fans I know, they collect the series, they collect, they're all for these collector editions. And so uh, there are plenty of people that will buy this and will very excitingly buy this. And I am very happy for them. I'm not one of those people, though. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. But I know the fan base will be super excited for this and will gladly pay the money for it. And that's all that matters. I'm kind of thinking about it, Heather. I'm kind of thinking about it. I I want to see what the price will be. Yeah. But but I'm I'm considering it. I'm considering it. And I was thinking a couple of days ago that I live in a pretty good sized apartment now and I never had much space for collecting things or, or having a DVD or a Blu-ray shelf. I, I never had that kind of space. I, I grew up in apartments my whole life, but now that I have a little bit of extra space, I'm kind of thinking about it. I'm kind of thinking about it. We'll see. I mean, look, the one thing I've realized is that even if you don't have the space, you'll find a way to collect stuff if you want to. I mean, I'm sitting here at my desk in which my Funko Pop collection is almost to the top of the ceiling in my apartment. (laughs) Okay. So if you want to collect something, you'll find a way to make the space for it. (laughs) That's true. That's true. I I have... I have a couple of Gundam models here on my desk, so you're right about that. You're right about that. I would have a few more if I could. So, yeah, we'll see. It actually does look pretty good, in my opinion. I don't normally buy things like this, but it does look pretty good. Uh, Last thing I wanted to talk about uh, was kind of a surprise from the Summer Game Fest, hosted by Jeff Keighley. Uh, another Star Trek game was announced. Uh, this one will be called Star Trek Infinite. Uh, it is coming from Paradox Interactive, and it is a what looks to be a real-time strategy game, or or just a regular strategy game where you're just kind of 
playing as the turns go. Um, from the trailer, this one looked like it would be somewhere in the TNG DS9 era, like maybe before Voyager. Uh, there were Cardassians, there were Klingons, there were Romulans, and there were uh, the Federation. And it, it kind of seemed like it was before Voyager. And this kind of reminded me a little bit of Star Trek Online. It reminded me a little bit of Star Trek Online. The little I've played, it kind of reminded me of Star Trek Online. Well, that's good. I, think... I don't have much to say about games. That's, that's, right. your, that's your topic. Uh, all right, just to, to wrap up on it real quick, I think that this one has potential to be really popular because from what I've seen... Star Trek fans that love Star Trek online were interested in this. And I think that this might be up a lot of Trekkies alley. So I would love to hear if you do listen and you do play this, or if you play Star Trek resurgence, uh, I would love to know what you're thinking of it and how you're feeling about them. Uh, It's really cool that we're in this era where we have really cool Star Trek video games. I think that's pretty sweet. I just think that's really cool. And it's just a great time to be a Star Trek fan. It really is. It really is, Heather. That we can absolutely agree on. It is a great time to be a Star Trek fan. And yes, please, if anyone listens to this and is playing the games, reach out to David and have the conversation with him since I am not helpful in that area whatsoever. It's all right. (laughs) It's all right. Hey, if if it gets out to somebody, that's what matters. If it, if it gets out there to somebody and somebody wants to check it out and have a little more fun with this wonderful franchise, that's what it's all about. We've got Star Trek books. We've got Star Trek TV shows. We've got Star Trek movies coming. We've oh, got Star Trek video oh, games. Oh, wait a minute. Yeah. You mentioned Star Trek books. Did you yeah. see the latest release? Uh about the start newest Star Trek book that's coming. It's a Seven the, of Nine novel. Seven of Nine book, yes. Yes. Yes, it's going I am to... A, yeah. I am all for the books. And so I, I, I've read a lot of the new books. I'm not completely caught up on all of them, but I am super excited for the Seven of Nine-centric novel focusing on really the, the time period between After Voyager Return and how she came to find the Fenris Rangers. I think it's going to be awesome and it's going to dive into the backstory of how her character evolved to where it is in Picard. And I can't wait for it. I'm super excited. Yeah, I will. I'm looking forward to that and I would love to hear your thoughts on it when it comes out. Definitely. I'm all for that. And we will talk about it right here on the Promenade Merchants podcast. Heather, thank you for always for doing with this with me. I really appreciate it, and I really appreciate you. Thank you. Uh, everyone out there, thank you for listening. You can find us. Heather is at NerdyGal33 on the Twitters. I'm at CallMeDJM. I haven't been banned or suspended in over a year, so yay me. <laughs> and the podcast collectively is at Prom Trek Pod. P-R-O-M-T-R-E-K-P-O-D, Prom Trek Pod. 
And uh, yeah, let us know what you think. We talked about a lot of stuff this episode. Would love to hear your thoughts. There's a lot of stuff to talk about with Star Trek right now, and I'm I'm here for it, and and Heather's here for it too. Yep. Th- thank you all for listening, and until next time, live long and 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 you you too you 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 live too. 